Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. He is my everything. He is my all. He's everything we heard. I wouldn't want to be no other place than here tonight. Be in his house and be in his place tonight. I'm always, always a privilege to stand behind this desk. And I'm glad to be here tonight. If you will join me tonight in James chapter 4 and verse starting verse, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. James chapter 4 and verse 6. I do hear some pages turning. So. The Bible says in verse 6, says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to touch this earthly vessel. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, right now to minister, Lord Jesus, to me, Lord, through me, Lord Jesus, to this congregation, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, right now to touch everyone underneath, under the sound of my voice tonight. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch and anoint us tonight, Lord Jesus, the word, Lord Jesus. Allow this word to, to saturate our heart tonight, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to move upon us, Lord. Lord, and let your, let your presence move upon us tonight and change our lives as we leave here different than we came. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, amen, amen. You may be seated. Tonight I'm gonna talk to us, my title is, What is the Cost of Your Salvation? We look at things in life, you know, we look at things at cost and we look at, you know, things that's expensive and we look, you know, in life we find, you know, our life is our, our budget and we look at things in life, the financial things, everything we look at is it costs us something. It doesn't matter what you do, it costs you a little bit. It costs you something in life. Today, but, you know, in life, you know, we find as, we, as a people, you know, we are, we're an addicted nation or we're addicted people. We're addicted to things in this world. We're addicted to just entertainment. We're addicted to things of this world. And there's, you know, there's people that's addicted to drugs, alcohol, and smoking. But, but this, this list could go further and further on and on. Every, there's addiction to everything. We all have an addiction. And I think in, in the United States, we're an addicted world. Here just a few weeks ago, we was in a Bible study in Madison, and and, and we was talking about addictions, and, we, and one thing we need to be addicted to, we need to be addicted to God. 
We need to be addicted to his presence. We need to be addicted to his, his will in our life. We need to be addicted to him and his addiction. We need to allow everything else, pass everything else, everything else by and be addicted to God. You know, as someone that's addicted, they just can't get enough. They just can't get, wait till they get their next fix. Or they will do what it takes to get that next fix. They will do what it takes to do, get what they want. If you want something bad enough, you're willing to pay the price. It doesn't matter what it is, what the price is. If you want it something bad enough, you will pay that price. A salesman's job is to make you think that you have to have it right now. I had a friend one time, and many, many years ago, we was, I had a friend that was a salesman. And we went out to eat one day, and he was talking about some of his, his sale pitches. I guess that's what you would call it. To me, I was thinking he was a crook. But, but anyway, but some of the stuff he was telling, but he was told how he told people and how he, he kept baiting them in and told them that they had to have this. And he's, he talked about people that, 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 that knew that they didn't have the financial abilities to pay for this, but he would before they left there, they would leave with that sale made. He, he would make them feel to the point that they had to have that before they could go home. And so many times in life, you know, salesmen, you know, we find something like in life, you know, we find, we'll find whatever it takes to pay for whatever we want. And if someone in our life, you know, we get something in our life and us men, we find a gun we want or if our ladies finds a dress they want, somehow or another we'll find the finances to pay for that. Am I everybody here tonight? I got everybody. I got the guns and the dresses. So, so... So we all find something to pay for it. We will find it. We will go home with that today, and we'll find a way to pay for it. So in life, you know, we find, I just want to talk about tonight. We talk, I get away from that because I'll be getting all the dresses anyway. I'll be in a bad shape. But in 2 Kings 5, we find a man that had a problem. He had a need in his life. And Naaman, a man named Naaman, in verse 1 it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He had a need in his life. He, 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 here he was a great man. He had this in his life, but he had a true need in his life. You know, we look at this need and in, in, in the, we read this story and I'm just going to paraphrase because this story is a pretty familiar story, but we look at Naaman's life and we look at him and he's here he is a leper and and as they he's a captain and he and as one of the the they from Syria they had took over some captives from from Israel and this little small young the Bible calls her a little little maid so I don't know if she's a little stature or a young in age but a little maid that was actually taking care of Naaman's wife was her helper and here she said there's a prophet back in Israel back in back in Israel that he can take care of this problem in his life. If he'll just get back to him, he'll take care of this problem. And Naaman, he was a great man, but he had that problem. He was a leper. There's a lot of people today in this world that has a problem like problems in their life. Some of them people recognize that problem and some people then pass that problem on to their somewhere else. The first step in getting what we need from God is we realize that we have a problem. Or we have a need. You know, in, in Naaman's life, he knew that he had this need in his life. But this young maid, she says, if you go back to Israel, where I came from, there's a prophet. You go back to my home, there's a prophet there 
that will heal you from this problem. And as they sent him back and as the king sent him back because he was his right-hand man, he sent him back to get him healed from this disease. He sent a large amount of money with him. He sent this money with him to buy his healing. But when he got back to the king of Israel, he, this king couldn't do nothing for him. But Elisha, Elisha says, send him to me. Elisha says, send him to me and I'll heal him. So Naaman, here he came. You know, he came with his horses and he came with his chariots. And he stood at the house, at the door of the house of Elisha. When Naaman heard the man of God wanted to see him, he probably... Didn't, didn't waste no time. He probably hurried up and he probably got to the prophet. He had had this disease in his life. He had this need in his life. And here he found a place he could get this need took care of. So here he was. He probably didn't hesitate. Here he ran. He probably went as fast as the horses and the chariots could carry him. But he got to the house of the, the, the prophet. He got at the door of the house. And after all, he was a captain. So he, here he was. You know, here he's a great man of statue, status in his life. So here we find him, you know what, he probably was just going to get right in the front door. He probably, you know, he, here he probably had been bumped ahead of the line all of his life because here he was a man of status, status. But here we find him when Elisha just sends a messenger out to him and saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. We find, we find Naaman, you know, here he was just, you know, he gets to the prophet's house, Elisha just, Elisha don't go out and pray for him. Elisha just sends him a messenger. How would you feel today if you came to the church and Brother Boyd just sent out a messenger out there and said, hey, just tell him to go do this. And you know, Sometimes we would feel like, probably like a, before, we, before we cast too much on Naaman, we feel like Naaman here. We feel like, well, at least I could have saw the preacher. At least I could have saw the prophet in his life. At least I could have maybe, maybe could have, could have touched me, laid his hands on me. But he just sent this messenger out to him and told me go go wash in this nasty old river. He probably says, "Why couldn't he?" And he said, "Why couldn't he send me to this other river? This other, at least, find me a clean river. Find me somewhere clean I could live." Here he was, and you know the Bible says in, name, in verse eleven, Bible says, "I don't think I gave her this scripture, but he says, but Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God." And strike his hand over the place and the recover the leper. But he never even got to see the preacher. Doesn't does he, you know, here Laman says, doesn't he know who I am? I am the captain of the host. Sometimes we find ourselves just like Naaman. We find ourselves, well, you know, God should, you know, I, here I've been in church all my life and I should get a little credit for that. And I should just, I show up to church every day. I should get a little bit of credit for that. But here we find Naaman, he found him in his life. He was willing to leave the same way he came. Because the Bible says he, he went to leave. He, he left the same way. He was ready to leave the same way he came with the same problem. So many times we leave the same way we came to church. Sometimes we walk in this door with a need in our life. And we walk right back out that back door with that, with that same need. Just because, because we didn't apply the message that the man of God preached to us that night. It may not have been the, the may not have been felt our chills run down our spine, or we may not have felt this, or we may not have felt that. But sometimes we get up and walk right back out the door. It doesn't matter who stands behind this pulpit with a microphone in their hand, because the same God is here, doesn't matter who's here. 
And the same God is here. When you come in with a need, the man behind this pulpit is not going to do nothing for your need. The God that's in this place is the one that's going to take care of your need. So when we come in here, we just reach out for him. But sometimes in our life, we walk back out the door because we don't feel like everything didn't just happen. All the stars didn't just line up. All the, uh, every, they didn't sing the right song or, didn't say, or they sang it too many times. Or We find an excuse why we didn't get what we needed that night and that service. When we, we walk right back out. Sometimes we want, to, we want to look at the, the pastor or the preacher or whoever's speaking and say, make it easy. We want them to tickle our ears and say a prayer that gives us goosebumps. But don't make me give up anything. Or do not make me belittle my position by humbling myself. Remember the text I read, God resists the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. I've never seen God feel one person with the Holy Ghost who wasn't humbled, wasn't broken. But those who are willing to break, be broken before God and, and forget who is around them and forget what is going on in their life, if they get broken to the point, it doesn't matter what the cost. It doesn't matter how much reputation this is going to hurt in my life. When they get to that point of brokenness in their life that it doesn't matter anymore, the cost is not too high. And God can touch them. We have to be broken for God to use us. And we have to get to that place that it, the cost does not matter. You have to be wanted more than anything else. We've got to get to a place that we want it more than anything else in life. You know, here Naaman was ready to leave, and, and, and his servant came to him and says, he spake unto him, he says, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much ra rather then when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. Here he was because it wasn't just like Naaman thought it was going to be. It wasn't just like he had planned it out. He was ready to leave. The only way to heaven, the only way that Naaman was going to get his healing was by God's way. And so many times in the way, the only way we're going to get what we need from God tonight is by God's way. And God's way is the only way we get to heaven. And the only way to heaven is through through Jesus Christ. And the only way that we're going to get to heaven tonight is by God's plan and God's, God's his, through him. And the old saying is, is, it's God's way or the highway. And here Naaman, he was almost ready to choose the highway. How many of us tonight has came to church and we've chose the highway? Because it wasn't, the cost was too high in our life. We thought it was going to be too much or we, we thought this was going to be not just what we wanted. And we chose the highway. How many people has come every service after service, had a need in their life, and they left because it wasn't what they thought? How many missed out on a blessing because they allowed pride and selfishness to get in the way? How many churches has missed out on revivals because it wasn't the way they thought it should come? How many churches, how many times we may, we may have missed the plan of God because it was not the way we thought it was going to come about? It wasn't through what we thought it was going to, how it was going to happen. How, 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 it wasn't how we, we had planned it out. So many times I believe we've missed the will of God because we've missed his plan and we try to do it on our own. And when we go do it God's way, we see what happens. When, when Naaman did it like God said, what the prophet told him to do, he was healed when he washed in the Jordan River. When we humble ourselves, when we really want revival, when we really want a blessing, when we really want a healing, when you really want it bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to get it.
when you get to that place, and and I and, and my my mother here tonight, and she when we grew up, if she said if you if she whatever she cooked and put on the table, that was what was for supper. And she said if you was hungry enough, you'll eat. And that's how when you get, when you want something bad enough, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter where I got to go and what I got to do to get it to happen. When you get bad, want something bad enough, you will make it happen. Yes, Talking about someone that really wanted, wanted it, whatever it took. We look at Jacob's life. Jacob wanted, his, wanted the birthright even more than his brother Esau. Jacob wanted it so bad that he was even willing to steal and to deceive his way to get it. And sometimes, you know, we look at that and we look at that as a negative time, but sometimes, but he had something. He had a drive. He knew what he wanted and he wanted it. And even, if he went, even though he went by it the wrong way, he wanted it bad enough that he would get however it took to get it. And he got it that way. Jacob wanted it real bad. Jacob wanted it so bad that he was willing to do whatever it took. Later in Jacob's life, in Genesis chapter 32, we find a story of Jacob later in his life when he was on the way back to, to his brother Esau after he had fled from him. The Bible says in verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there he wrestled with a man with him until the breaking of day. Here Jacob was wanting this man. He was wrestling with this angel. And here Jacob was wrestling with this angel, and when he prevaileth not against the angel, the angel touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and his thigh was out of joint as he, as he wrestled with him. Here we find Jacob wanting to be blessed so bad. He had realized his errors in his life, and he realized where he was at, and he got to the place in his life it didn't matter any longer. He was going to get this blessing. Here he wrestled with this angel, with this man, all through the night. Even after the point of the, the angel dislocating his thigh, he kept on wrestling. He would not let him go. And the Bible says, and when he would not let him go, for the break of the day, he said, I will not let thee go except thee bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy, thy name shall be no, called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Here Jacob wanted this blessing so bad, he got to the place that he would not let go. And sometimes in life, you know, here he was, he got a name change. He got a life change. He got more than just a name change. He got a life change because he was, he was so determined he would not let go. We've got to get that way as a Christian. We've got to get to that place in life. We've got to get to the place. It doesn't matter what the world throws at us. We're not going to let go. As Brother Boyd preached Sunday, I've listened to them online. As he preached Sunday, this time is coming short. And we, we, this time is coming short and, we, and God, God is finna come back as a thief in the night. And we gotta hold on to this thing. We can't let go any longer. We can't just, just go passively through this world. We gotta get a, a death grip on this thing. We gotta get a death grip on, on the church. We gotta get a death grip on our relationship. We gotta push further than just what we've done before. We've gotta have more. We've gotta be closer. We gotta, what doesn't matter the cost, we've gotta get there. We gotta be like Jacob. I'm not gonna let go of this thing until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you bless me tonight. Another story about someone that would, would not quit, would not give up, is a, is a story of blind Barnabas. He had a need in his life. He was blind. The Bible said he sat by the street begging by, by the way, on the way to Jericho. When Jesus came along, the Bible says that blind Barnabas hurt when he heard him. He started crying out, Jesus, thou son of David. 
have mercy on me. The more he cried out, the more people says, be quiet, be quiet. You embarrassing, you be embarrassing yourself. Be quiet, be quiet. But the more they told him to be quiet, the more, the louder he got. The louder he got. He says, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They kept on just saying, be quiet, be quiet. You're, just, you're interrupting him. He's, he's too busy for you. But he kept on, kept on, getting louder and louder. And sometimes in life, that's how we got to be like this. We got to be like this blind Barnabas. We got to get to the point in our life where we're not going, nobody else is going to hush us up. Nobody else is going to quieten us down. Nobody else is going to push us to the side. We're going to get ours because we, we, we got need for our life and we got to get it no matter the cost. We got to get there. And that's what blind Barnabas said. He said, I've got to get there. I'm not, he, he's, I gotta have him to touch me. I've been blind too long. I've been, I've had this ailment in my life too far, too far gone. And I gotta have him to die. I gotta have him in my life. So we gotta get to that point in life. It doesn't matter what we have, we face. This world today is throwing everything at us. He's world at our young people today. He's throwing everything at our young people. Because he's after the generation, this next generation. He's after them like never before. We worked with youth ministries for, for many, many years, and the devil's always been after the young people. But I feel like in the last few months, there's been an outpoured war after our young people. They've been a fight for their, for their, their salvation, and we've got to want it for them. We've got to want it if they don't want it for them. Because I feel like today, that we, I feel like in the last weeks, I felt this and I've seen this hand, and, and taking place. And the enemy is fighting for them so hard because he knows that the time is coming short. He knows this is the generation. This is the generation that he will come in. And I feel like they're, they're, they're fighting, he's fighting them so hard because he wants them. Because he knows he has them if he gets them. Today is a... a one more, I want the next story I want to find is Matthew 26 and 6. We find a lady, young lady. The Bible says in verse 6 is, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ornament and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work unto me. For ye have the poor always with you, but, ye, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Hear this lady come in in this, this alabaster box. We don't know how much money she had, but I figure it was probably all she had. She was willing to pour it out on Jesus and anoint his body and, and worship and sacrifice. Here she was, it didn't matter the cost. She was willing to sacrifice it all. 
Here the disciples, even the disciples that had walked with Jesus and saw him do miracles, they was missing the point. They was worried about how much, what they could do with the money they could sell this for. What they could do with this here. They sometimes, you know, even, the, even some of Jesus' closest people missed the point. They missed the cost. They was worried about the cost. And so many times in life, we're just like the disciples. We've been around this thing so long, we just, how could I really better do this? And how, how, much, how much more this would go financially this way if I did it this way? But what God is wanting us to just to be sacrificially given to him. He wants us to be sold out to him. And I feel like that's what this, this woman was. She was sold out to Jesus. And that's because he's seen the intent of her heart. He's seen that she wasn't just holding back. She wasn't worried about what she could do with the financial money of this. She was worried about just blessing Jesus. Just give it to him. It's all better, more important to give it to him and not worry about what ours. And so today I feel like we need to be more like her than the disciples. We want to be like the disciples. We want to, we want to be preach the word. We want to go reach people in life. We want to do this and that in their life. And we want to find things, you know, be like them, put her name on the paper. Here, the Bible don't even refer to her name here in this story, but we, we, we you know, we, we, some other places it links to where her name is. But we tonight, but that's not the point. Tonight, the Bible says she would give it all to him. She was willing to just worship him, and I feel like we have to do that. Just, just when I'm beginning to start to close, so some of the musicians wants to start coming. The disciples was worried about the price of her sacrifice and how it could be even better used. Sometimes in life, that's where we find ourselves worried about how we could better use our sacrifice. We try to plan out the way we can do things. But in just in the very next verse in Matthew, I just wanted to pick up and read. And I just, actually, I never noticed this until in this study. But in verse 14 of the same book, the very next verse after this story, the Bible says, And one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest, and he said unto them, what will ye give me? And I will desire, deliver him unto you. And they convey, covenant with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought an opportunity to betray him. Here in the very next verse we find one of the disciples making a deal. He says, I will betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was worried about the cost. He was worried about the cost. Here he was, the money. Here we find Judas selling his salvation for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus paid for our salvation when he hung on a cross, when we were yet sinners. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He paid the ultimate cost when he gave his life for our sins. So today, when, I, when we look at our life, you know, we look at this, you know, what is your, what is our salvation cost? When we look at our, what is our salvation cost? There's a song that says it's hidden in the cross. And I don't, I'm not a singer and I don't know the words, all those words, but sometimes, but I know, but, it, but our, well, my value and my cost of my salvation, Jesus hung it on a cross. He hung my the cost for my salvation. He hung it on a cross. But one day, we're all going to stand in judgment. We're going to stand in judgment. We're going to hear one of two things. We're going to hear him say, enter in, or we're going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
And at that point, if he says, depart me from, depart from me, I never knew you. What is that, what is it, what is your salvation going to cost? What did you give for your salvation? Here, here Judas, I scared, gave 30 pieces of silver. And so think about that tonight as we think, as, as I begin to close. What does your salvation cost? Jesus gave for, he paid it in whole. He paid it in full. But if we stand in judgment day and if we, we hear them words, depart from me, what is it going to be that costed us our salvation? What is going to keep us from hearing the inner end words? As we stand across here tonight, I ask us to, to look back in our minds today and look in our hearts tonight. If, if we ain't got everything, we're not sold out. If we're not completely sold out tonight, I feel like we need to do that before we leave here. If we have a need in your life tonight, as you walked in this place with a need, you're in the right place to get that need took care of. And as they begin to play, you can make an altar where you stand or open the altars tonight. If you want to come to the altar tonight, we can take care of whatever our need is tonight. I ask you, I urge you tonight, don't walk out these doors tonight if you have a need in your life. Don't walk out these doors if you're not 100% sure that you're going to hear, enter in the kingdom of God. What is the cost of your salvation tonight? I ask us tonight. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.